Welcome to Open Mind GFO Radio. This is your host, Alejandro Rojas, and I am here with my good buddy, Martin Willis. How are you doing, Martin? Hello, hello, hello. I'm doing well, thank you. So, and of course, we are broadcasting this live on uh, the internet, and of course, that's something new that uh, that uh, it's on video live, kind of like, I guess, like you do, but um, what's kind of funny is, of course, that what you used to do was so hard because yes. you have to manually do so much with this program. And now we've got this cool program that does it all for us. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I used to have people that used to write me, well, I'm kind of disappointed because you didn't have any technical difficulties today. <laughs> you know, like they were just so used to it. So that's yeah. hilarious. I know I used to get used to it and it used to be kind of oh, a bit right. that we yeah, would do. We, yeah. We had many. We crashes. would kind of make fun of it. Yeah. Although your you of course were usually scrambling to fix the thing and uh, not yeah. having as much fun as me. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. So cool. So uh, everything's working well now, and uh, technology has advanced, which is wonderful. And uh, this alien technology that's been um, developed further allegedly <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know that is kind of interesting too in that you know there's for those of you who are aware there is this uh, alleged colonel corso well he was a real guy but i i i didn't meet him now that i think about it i feel like i've met him because i've seen so many videos and i was very close to people who did interview him a lot that's so weird i feel like i've met him and it's probably just because i've seen so many videos but and in fact, on Open Minds, on our channel, we have some videos posted here, interviews with him nobody else has, um, where he reveals stuff like, you know, talk to the Kennedys about UFOs, stuff that I'm actually very skeptical of. But this is a guy who claims that, you know, when he was working uh, with the Army and the Pentagon, he was given pieces from the Roswell craft that were then he, he put out to different uh, industry people. Essentially, you know, which included microchips, uh, um, what Kevlar, um, fiber optics. Right. He's essentially optics, saying yeah. all of our technology that we're using, like the stuff we're using right now to see each other is all based off of alien technology. What do you think? Well, you know, uh, I remember hearing that way back uh, when I first started looking into this. And, you know, the first thing I thought, well, that makes sense because it certainly doesn't, you know, I mean, it's such an odd thing, the fiber optics I'm talking about. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I don't know how anyone ever figured that that out, but, um, you know. I, just, it's actually a pretty simple, we even learned it in physics, the physics around photons and light. Even when I was in, you know, before Corso's book, when I was in high school, we would do stuff with uh, the bouncing of light and physics and really, huh? uh, yeah, so it was not we can 
probably that's not probably not alien technology. It was probably theorized. I would have to look into it, but I would guess it was theorized a very, very, very long time ago. Um, one of my favorite physics experiments was we had to bounce light into a. Uh, it, it was essentially like the the uh, Pink Floyd experiment where we did all this work about the how prism. light works, how it mm. bounces off of different things, how it disperses, how it does reflect, like if the angle, what angle it would take for the light to go through the glass or to bounce off into the glass or in a glass, what percentage goes through and then some goes out or reflects. So we had to calculate all that, which I thought was so fun. So we would have to, one of my favorite experiments we had to do uh, for, is, I think it was for a, a test even, we'd have to shoot a laser into a glass pyramid like Pink Floyd. And uh, he would tell us what angle we would have to go in. And we would have to calculate exactly what the light would do, draw it on a piece of paper, and then have the laser, what we predicted, and then do it put the pyramid there, shoot the laser and see if we're right, if we predicted it. And I think most of the class, there's a lot of smart kids. Um, yeah. I was the goofball of the group. Um, and really, it's shocking. Most of us, including myself, yeah, got it. And <laughs> I, that was just one of the most exciting moments for me that, you know, you could predict something like that. That was one of the things I was already a science guy. This was advanced physics in, in high school. And, um, that just for me was really impactful actually that moment to be able to use science to figure stuff out like that you know yeah. science rocks it does and it's good that we can pay attention to it too that's mm -hmm. pretty good yeah so someone mentioned dirk welcome to dirk to louise uh to tim to all of the people coming in mary thank you mary so Grace. much for, for coming in again um renee but uh Dirk is mentioning that open minds, of course, there's other UFO news for this week, but since we've gotten on this topic, which is kind of a fun topic anyway, people love this topic. And somebody has a good question here. Sonia is here. Hello, Sonia. Open Minds has Corso's original manuscript. It's PDF listed on front page menu. It's interesting. Um, so yeah, he's right. Open Minds, we have, so there's this, and I want to, I'm really interested to hear what you think, Martin. Someone does ask how we feel about it too. But have you looked at that document at all? No. I no. think you should because it's his original notes on what had happened through his life regarding these, this alien material and stuff. And a lot of people um, accuse Bill Burns of kind of looking at those notes and then creating a kind of partially fictional book off of it. That is the day after Roswell, the New York times best-selling book that alleges all of this stuff. However, people started talking this way before the notes or this, this other manuscript was released and it couldn't be released mostly because, and I'll be totally honest, you know how I'm transparent with you guys. There was a copyright issue in that Bill Burns, who's a lawyer, uh, he also was the guy who started and ran UFO Magazine for a long time. He was under the impression he had the rights to all of that. And in mm. a way, 
I think he kind of had a strong argument, a stronger argument than I originally even knew um, until I talked to him in depth, more in depth about this. But they were working on publishing that manuscript, allegedly. However, we were given permission by the Corso family because uh, the uh, Maurizio Baiata, who worked on a magazine in Italy, uh, had released those original notes in a book form uh, and hit the family gave him permission because Maurizio was working at Open Minds for a period of time to release them on Open Minds. So we did that. We posted it. And it's the only place I think you can find it. Of course, others probably have downloaded it and posted it as well. But it's weird. And it's nothing like the book. So hmm. I, Bill Burns said, no, I took that. But I also interviewed him. And I wrote the book off of what he told me. There's no way he could have written the book off of the notes, these weird ass unorganized notes that Corso had. Um, I believe Bill Burns. Um, and in all of the number of hours and hours of interview stuff I've, I've seen, because the Italians interviewed him a lot and I've looked at that. I believe Burns. Um, so, Oh, someone said, Dirk even said this. I was sure Burns ruined a good book. I was wrong. Yeah, I don't think he ruined the book. Now, is the book partially fictional? I believe so. Was Bill Burns extremely careful about uh, everything uh, being uh, straight up? Not so much. I mean, Bill Burns was just trying to get the story out there, whatever Corso was telling him, I think. Uh, and the veracity of it was kind of maybe secondary or maybe he had full faith in Corso. But it's, if you look at these notes, it's weird, man. Um, but how do you feel about the whole Corso thing? Um, you know, I know it's been, there's been a lot of controversy I've heard over the years. And, and um, I've interviewed the woman that worked with him. I can't, her name's just, do you know who I'm talking about? She was involved. Uh, Paula with Harris. Him. That's it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Mauricio's she partner. What's that? Who Maurizio and them go way back because they're both Italian. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But she's, she was totally convinced that, you know, his stuff was spot on, but I, I don't know, you know, I've heard, uh, I've heard so many uh, times without any basis that I know of, but people saying that it was, you know, it, it, he was hoaxing a lot of it. And I, but I, I don't have any, you know, I never saw any evidence of that. I, I, so I don't know. I have to say I'm neutral just because I don't have enough information. Yeah, I think that's a very fair um, stance to have. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that, unfortunately, I know Paula. I like Paula. In fact, uh, I used to even run her website during this time with the Corso stuff and everything. Hmm. But, uh, and that's part of the reason I've seen all this stuff. Then I worked with Maurizio, who had a host of more information because the Italians had a ton, mostly because of Maurizio and Paula. Uh, and, and the Italians were more, you know, taking them all over the place, printing stuff and everything. Whereas Bill Burns kind of had to market on him here, although he went to Roswell uh, in 90, what, 97. Um, and uh, then was doing interviews before he passed away in the early 2000s. Um, but Paula believes everybody, unfortunately. She really, uh, I don't know that she's ever found a, a UFO or alien witness she hasn't believed. So, um unfortunately, when it comes to that part. So, uh, but you're right, it's really hard. It's anecdotal information from one person. 
Uh, it is kind of strange because I, I kind of put some credence into this. He said that at one point he said that story was a compilation of many people's stories hmm. that he knew he had friends, um, other, you know, high ranking um, friends in the military and they all would tell each other these stories and they made a pact that the last one alive would share this information and that mm. was him. He was the last one to wow. alive. So a few years before he passed away, he hooked up with Bill Burns, got the book out through us, released those notes. And, uh, but that was actually after he passed. So um, yeah. I'm so, sure yeah, there, if, there may be some new people in the, uh, you know, that are listening now or will be listening that have no clue what we're talking about when we're talking about um, Corso. Well, we, I just, mentioned i gave a little brief just a second ago okay i think you were looking at something i was yeah <laughs> i was reading my horoscope yeah but as i like to do i gave people uh in a nutshell you know that this guy was a colonel and he was the real deal i mean he worked with foreign technology division uh he was uh in charge of a missile battalion in italy in world war ii in fact uh, allegedly, and I think this has turned out to be accurate as far as I've looked into, it seemed to be accurate, was that he was in charge of Italy when we um, when we freed Italy uh, of, you know, the Mussolini or the, and the Nazis and everything. He was actually in charge, kind of like a wow. pro tem, you know, governor for a period of time. Mm. So, um, yeah, so he was an important guy. And, and if you see him talk, he almost comes across as like uh, on the spectrum. He's one of those guys who's very logical and brainy. Um, so I don't know. It's really weird. So we'll see. I just posted, Sonia said, I want to read those notes. I just posted the link to them. It's just openminds.tv slash resources. If you go to the Open Minds website and you click on the resources button, and I'm going to show this to, pe to people real quick, actually. Oh, cool. Yeah, the screen share thingy. Yeah. So there we go. You can see it there. Uh, we have um, the UFO files. Actually, I'm going to click on that to go in there. Because we have, if you go to our resources, we have a photo gallery. Mm, some interesting photos, some not so much. I don't know that we've even researched those at I mean, somewhat. Um I need to review that because I need to make sure we've got the good photos in there. But we've got our Open Minds link, Wendell Stevens archives. People are like, what did you guys do with Wendell Stevens articles? Because he was an ex-Air Force guy who did a lot of research. Click that link. You can see all of his stuff. We've posted everything we could online. Um, wow. But if you go to the UFO files there, you'll see some really good stuff, people. I mean, this is like some historic stuff we have up here on our UFO right. files. Wasn't there like thousands and thousands of UFO pictures from, uh, from his archive? Uh, there were, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd say thousands and thousands, but there were a lot. Um, mm. But a lot of them were photos from one event. Um, and mm -hmm. so I, and a lot of them were repeats. So he had lots of different versions of the same photo often because other people would come across it and he was always trying to get the best version. So I that's know. great. Uh -huh. So he didn't have thousands, but he had some interesting ones and we've written a lot of articles on the photos that he did have. Some of which I think are really interesting. So people might want to review those. 
But if you go to the UFO files, we have all the APRO bulletins. APRO was the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization, very important early organization that actually Dr. J. Allen Hynek worked with. We've got the majority of their bulletins here. We worked with uh, their publisher to get those up. But there it is, Dawn of a New Age is the Corso manuscript. That is the, the Corso notes right there. So you can go check mm. those out. But if you want something that has a high level of credibility, you can click that last link, which is Lawrence Rockefeller's briefing document. And there's an article there about it where Lawrence Rockefeller, a friend to the Clintons, one of the Rockefeller heirs, one of the guys who helped develop the Silicon Valley with it, with their money. I mean, he's a very important person, really into UFO and the paranormal. And uh, through my colleague, Antonio Huneas, who was one of the authors, they created this briefing document that wasn't supposed to actually be public. Lawrence Rockefeller printed a thousand of those. He wanted to give them to his friends and influential people, including the Clintons. And I actually have one of the original documents. It looks blue like wow. this, so you can see what it looks like. Uh, there, since then, there have been like a somebody printed them. Uh, I think uh, Don Berliner and someone else got that got the copy and printed them with an actual printer, so you can find some paperback. But you've got it right here. This is the original version PDF form um, right here. We were the first to release that. Wow. And uh, yeah, I've actually the got treasure one trove of those. here. I know it's, it's really, really good stuff. And you know how this got out. I got to say, um, Stephen Greer worked with Rockefeller and this group to put this document together. Greer then jumped ship and just did his own thing. Uh, which is all the videos that we got of those different witnesses, some of which are included in here. And essentially, they couldn't work with Greer, surprisingly. Um, they had a hard time working with him um, for reasons that Martin and I certainly are aware of. Uh, but uh, uh, so, so he kind of did his own thing. And to be honest, I really like what Greer came up with. He came up with his own executive briefing. Um, with CSETI and it's pretty good, I think. Um, but it, it, although there's a lot of speculation in it, but at least for, as far as people that he's interviewed. So yeah, definitely look into that stuff, people. This is really, you know, I'm very proud of all of these different things that we've been able to post because we were the first to get some, a lot of this out there. Yeah, amazing. So let's see good what stuff. other people. Um, so Mary says she read Paula's book where she talked about him. Um, yeah, there's a story about Corso. Yeah. So here's what Mary says. Corso pushing the little alien guy back into the vortex thing. So he could go back to his family and world. Did I actually read that? Right? Yeah. It, and you see it here in Corso's manuscript. He claims that he was flying around like white sands and he saw something glinting and he flew down and he told his pilot, let's land down there. So they land in the desert at white sands. They go to this cave where there's an alien with a spaceship there. And, um, and he said, why are you here or something? And it touched him on the head and he got this, this, in this image or something of, or this message in his head that were, it's, it's a new the dawn of a new age, if you can handle it or something like that. That's how he came up with the book. But yeah, some kind of weird interaction with aliens that was like, like really wacky, really wow. weird, weird stuff. So, 
And and I would also say that a lot of Roswell researchers talk about how a lot of the things that he, some of the claims that he made just don't fit with any of the timelines of, um, so mm. that adds some skepticism. Yeah. So I don't know. It's really hard. Now, did he ever actually see material or anything like that, supposedly, you know, according to his, um, well, it's been so long since I've looked into anything that he, he was talking about. Well, I mean, essentially, I think it was Trudeau, uh, the general who had come to him at the Pentagon, who he was working for, and set this box on his desk and said, this is what the Army got out of Roswell. The Air mm. Force took the object, uh, you know, it went somewhere, and we got some stuff, and here's what we got. We've been sitting on this for years, but we might as well do something with it. Maybe you can figure out what to do. He said, you know, figure out what to do with it. So, um, Corso figured, well, you know, I'll work with our industry partners on technologies that we're developing and, uh, and hopefully this can help, um, further along those efforts, which is what he says he does. And he said he did distribute, you know, these pieces to people working on night vision or, or computers and other things. And that, you know, it did cause these leaps in the advancement of the development of these things. Um, it was a New York Times bestseller. There have been some articles on it. And of course the corporations he says he worked with and the scientists who have worked to develop the technologies, Corso claims were helped by these alien devices say they have no idea. Uh, they've never heard anything like that. And that um, there's a track record. There's a very clearly documented all the discoveries that led to the development of these technologies. So mm -hmm. some people argue, which is true. I think that if you, there would be very few people who would even know if there was an advancement made that came from elsewhere, which is kind of a good point. And that's a point I've been making that let's say you have a material, let's say to the stars has a material. What might be the best thing for them to do? It's got, it's a really hard decision. What would, and I want to hear what you would do, Martin, and the guests. Tell us what you guys would do, too. So let's say you're to the stars or any other, you know, or open minds, and we come across some material. We work, uh, we, we discover that this material is actually uh, manufactured, but by technology well beyond our own, in that there are important properties to that material. What would you do with it? You could take it to the government, give it to them, or, um, and who knows what they're going to do with it. They could say, okay, we'll take it, but here, we'll pay you a million bucks, sign this NDA. You can never talk about it again. And maybe they go off and build technologies with it. Or you could do that yourself. Just say, okay, I'm going to use it to build technologies. But um, if it's, you know, dangerous, if it could pose a danger because you could create weapons, it might be wise of you to bury it. In other words, hmm. this is proprietary technology that we have because we're a private corporation. We don't have to share with you at all how we came across this technology or how we developed it, but it's our private technology. These are our patents on this technology. We're developing it or working with other companies who to develop it, um, but not giving details about the technology. That might be the best way to, I mean, that would be a, a way to go too. What do you think? Well, if I knew that something could be developed as a weapon, 
I would uh, probably uh, bury it because I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to feel like, you know, my legacy was to, yeah. you know, be involved in killing people. Um, so I, I think that's what I do. But if there was a, if there was, if it was not that type of technology and it could be an advancement, um, I would basically hire a very good lawyer and help me go through the steps. I mean, that's the way I would look at it. Like, uh, um, you know, it would be nice to get uh, rich, but it would be also nice to make sure that it's handled in the right way where it improves mankind and not goes the other way. It doesn't go the other way. Destroy I, mankind. See, and you're what you're getting at, what you're saying right now is that you would orchestrate a cover-up just like the government would do and hide the information from the public. Absolutely. Which is so weird. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Because we're the type, we're the people that are asking for this information to get out. But if you're, and you know, criticizing the government for not getting the information out, but at the same time, if you do a, an exercise like this and think about, well, what if I were them? What would I do? Mm. Or what if I discovered something? What would I do? What we would do is mirror what they've done. And hmm. I, I'm and I'm not bashing you for that at all because I might make the same decision as you. Um, which seems like the better decision maybe for mankind. So Yeah. I've never really looked at it in that way, but you know mankind, I should say. I'm sorry. You know, you're right. I mean, with with uh, technology and, and there comes uh, and, and power, there comes a great responsibility, really. Mm -hmm. You know, especially exactly. if you can wield um, a, a change in life for. Uh, oh, Phoenix Mufon just popped in. Yeah. Stacy. Yeah. Hey, Stacy. Oh, Stacy. Um, yeah. Hey. So let's see what people have said. Sonia says, I would not ask the military for help. I would hold on to it. Uh, if I couldn't figure it and hopefully find a friend who's smart enough to work on it. Yeah, maybe. Mm. Um, let's see. Louise says I would take it to Lex Fridman over at MIT and let him have complete control over how it's studied. That's a good one. That's a great idea, mm -hmm. you know? And in fact, I probably would get in touch with Gary Nolan who works at Stanford um, and is a well-known scientist. He might, that's not his bucket, but you know, he would be good advice. And luckily I'm working with the SCU. So we have some scientists. So I think the SCU actually might be the best place for material like this. Now that I think about it, because there's experts who can, you know, try to put their brains together. Really, I think the SCU is kind of our best think tank right now. For, yeah. um, for There's a pool you know. of great scientists there. Right, right. But I also, the first thing I think of is, uh, and I don't know why, because, but I always think about protecting oneself. Always make sure you have you know, if you have something really yeah. important, protect yourself as far as not letting it get out of uh, out of your control. Mm -hmm. Let's see. Um, Osvaldo says, I, I majored in physics in college. Einstein had the idea for lasers and we uh, were going to head a research project to develop them in the mid 30s. But then World War II and they made the bomb. Hmm. I think a lot of people are giving me examples of the technologies that Corso claims came from Roswell and how those technologies were being developed way before Roswell. 
such mm. as lasers in the 1930s. And I saw some other comments along those. So that's interesting. Anthony mm. says, you guys are spot on. Nice. Virtual high five. He says, yeah, you guys thanks. are spot on. Even Leonardo da Vinci did not publish some of his inventions because he feared they could be used as weapons by nefarious powers of his day. Mm. Interesting. So we'll see if Stacy answers because Phoenix Mufon, I would like to hear her opinion. Stacy, if you're at Phoenix Mufon, you came across, you know, materials that you found were foreign made that were foreign, you know, that some kind of technology that was created. Uh, you had ind indisputable evidence of that. What would you do with that material? What if she gives it to, she might say, I'm, I'm going to give it to move on headquarters. Um, 10 seconds, Stacy. <laughs> Shawnee says I would put it on eBay. That's hilarious. <laughs> That's a good one. Some people might want to cash out. Some people might say, you know, go shop it around and sell it for $10 million. You got to sure know you what you're selling, though. That's the. Yeah, that's true. Know, I think this is an extra interesting thought process, though, especially behind that. that what would you do and how the, the real world world works and how it would be, be difficult to navigate um, what the right thing to do would be. And how would you know that you would be the owner of this property in your your experiment? Like That's someone would give it too. to you or, you know, there's always a chain of custody where things come from. That's a great point. Even if you find it on the ground, there could be some kind of law where um, um, you have to give it up to the government, Yeah. Um, which might be another reason to keep it secret, to essentially mm. develop it on your own without letting the government know what you're doing or where you got it because you want to maintain control. So... Who knows? And and that could be a scenario that's played out already, that some corporation already has something out there and they are hiding it because uh, for reasons that are semi-legit. Um, yeah. Mary Mary says, finders keepers. That's hilarious. And, and that's a good point. So, yeah, it's well, an interesting to think about. You know, a lot of times, I mean, just the other day I was talking to someone on a, a show. Uh, he was actually in chat, uh, Lewis, and we're talking about the triangles, you know, whether they're military, you know, secret military projects that are out there. And, you know, my, it, we, we debated it basically. And, you know, my, my thought was, you know, some people are claiming these things are miles wide and how could they possibly hide that? He, he thinks, he thinks they could, you know, but also, um, you know, if there is an anti-gravity technology and it's been around as long as we've been seeing these triangles floating across the sky. It just seems so hard to believe that we wouldn't know about it. And his argument, he thinks that they could definitely hide it from us. Yeah. And I'm not so sure personally. Um, I used to think that more so in the beginning, but the more I look into it, I don't see it. I really don't. Um, although I'm still doing research. And in fact, I want to write something up fairly soon. Um, so I want to be, I always try to be comprehensive when I write something up, um, displaying as many angles to the story as I can. And so I'm still doing some work on it because there is a uh, somebody I have to get back with um, who says that it is possible and he's someone who would know. So I've got to interview him. Mm. But most of the people I've talked to thus far um, are saying it's very, very unlikely. And 
and there's a couple of reasons behind that. And I, that people I think need to understand there's first of all money. Um, you know, where do you get that money? And, um, the money that our government gives to these black projects is tracked. Uh, and you know, there was a reckoning of course, not too long ago when they lost track of a lot of it, but it is tracked. And then, and for instance, in that instance, they figured out what was going on. And this is kind of, it's important that it's tracked, especially by the people who give them that money, namely the Senate, because that's how they hold power over these projects. Um, mm. And that's exactly what Chris Mellon's job was. He was the guy for the Senate to go get them information about these black projects. And Chris says, I did not run across anything like that when I was there. He even told me, you know, he was surprised to hear about ATIP because he didn't think there were any projects um, related to UAPs. Uh, some people have said, well, you said you, when you looked, there weren't any, but you didn't know about ATIP. Well, he worked for the Senate Intelligence Committee way before ATIP was created. So that's why there's a difference there. But um, an mm. ATIP was not created by the Pentagon also. It was created by Harry Reid. It was kind of a little Harry Reid pet project. Um, so, uh, and there's a, the other problem, and Eric Davis kind of went into this with detail with me also, is that the bureaucracy makes it really difficult to do any type of um, um, work like that. The security is really expensive on black projects. Millions of dollars goes into the security alone. Yeah. Um, in order to get any help scientifically, it's extremely difficult because it takes months to get another scientist vetted to be able to help you on the program if they get vetted at all. Um, so the bureaucracy doesn't make it that uh easy either. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Um, this kind of could kind of segue into um, something if you want to move on a little bit. Yeah, I, actually, I was about to move on to as soon as we finish this. But if you want to segue, do it. Yeah. Um, so uh, stripes.com is uh, let me see if I can find that I had it up earlier. Um, did a uh, interview with a uh, Chris Mellon and James Fox, uh, Stars and Stripes is a website. And so it's a military podcast, basically. Uh, military Matters Podcast is what it's called. And the title of it's uh, We Should Know What's Going On with Unidentified Flying Objects, or, uh, you know, along those lines. And so he, they interview James Fox, I guess. Apparently, uh, the guy's name is Rod. Um, let's see, I read it here a minute ago. Uh, uh, Rod Rodriguez, he interviews them both. It's an excellent podcast, by the way. And they, uh, you know, he evidently watched the phenomenon. And then he saw like all this military connections to the UFO and said, hey, we really got to pay attention to this. So then he went forward and interviewed uh, James Fox a, a little bit. But Chris Mellon heavily is uh, uh, interviewed throughout the show. And they talked about some military detail and stuff that's very fascinating. It's a great, great podcast. Yeah, I haven't listened to it yet, but I have tweeted it. So people can find this, uh, the link to it in my Twitter. Um, however, uh, I'll also have it in the show notes. So as soon as the show's done, I'll update. If you're watching on, uh, well, either way, 
I'll update it so the links will be in the show notes there for you all also. Uh, but yeah, that is it's really cool. I did notice that, and I haven't had a chance to listen yet because it was just a couple days ago, um, and I just found out about it maybe yesterday. Um, but just, that is it, really cool. It feels like a, again, almost like the needle's moving a little more. You know, mm -hmm. in, in this when a military podcast is talking about, you know, the UFO topic and mm -hmm. freely talking about it. Like there really is, you know, the this interview is saying that, you know, like that we really should look at this because there really is something to it. Mm -hmm. So uh, I love that fact. It wasn't that way when, you know, a few years ago. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, he said, I, we're I, not talking about little green men here. You know, he makes it clear right off the bat that it's mm -hmm. not not a fringe topic to talk yeah. about. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's what's interesting about working, what's going on in the background that people don't realize is that there is a lot of movement. There's a lot of people thinking about this stuff and moving towards it. Um, that's really interesting. Some of the other stuff I tweeted, for instance, University of, of California um, or no, I'm sorry. Um, the U University of California, Santa Cruz, is creating an astrobiology department. Um, and also mm. uh, the University of Arizona already has one, but they're, they're talking about more projects. So there's a lot of astrobiology is really kind of burgeoning at this point, which I think is really interesting, which shows interest by scientists. Um, I'm really excited about some of the stuff that we're doing at the Scientific Coalition for UAP Research, uh, where you know we've got over 30 PhDs, and then we've got you know a lot of other members who work in the scientific community. And um, just for those who aren't aware, you know how it works is PhDs are more theoretical. That's why you see them at universities conducting research, and that's mostly what a PhD. Uh, a lot of what a PhD does, the, their research. Whereas the people who are actually applying the science and making stuff happen, building it and figuring out how do you take this theory? How do you take Einstein's theory and then turn it into an actual nuclear bomb? Those are engineers and uh, people with master's degrees, stuff like that. So sometimes you get debates, what's a scientist or something, but these tech guys, these guys with the master's degrees, these guys that are in there, you know, or uh, these engineers, they're just as scientific. I mean, they're the guys who are actually making things happen. Um, and that's kind of where that delineation lies. But the point being that these guys are really important still, these guys who, who get the hands-on work. Um, so there's a lot of movement in that area. And I think we're doing a good job in starting to penetrate the mainstream science more and starting to figure out how to do, make this look like science, you know, make this feel comfortable for the scientific community. Um, meanwhile, mm -hmm. that is also happening within the government. I mean, from my story about Chris Mellon's plan, the, mo the main thing I wanted people to understand is this is what they're doing. This is the important work they're doing. We all had our own expectations of what To The Star was supposed to be doing. And, re you know, we thought they were going to be researching metals and telling us about this and researching cases and telling us about cases. And I think that's what they their vision was to do at some point, but they didn't really have the infrastructure to do that, nor the money. Meanwhile, 
I wrote my article about Chris Mellon's plan because he, Chris Mellon's plan's mind was somewhere else. His plan was to massage the, you know, military industrial complex, the political uh, defense uh, arena to make them alerted to this issue and get them to do something about it, which he did in an incredible way. And now we have the Senate Select Committee. Um, and this is segueing actually into other new news this week too. But, um, you know, so th that's what Chris Mellon was focused on and is still focused on because now that the Senate Intelligence Committee is looking at this topic, he's trying to make sure they understand this is a big deal and that they need to be comprehensive in their investigation and not just, you know, blow it off or allow the government agencies are supposed to report to them to blow it off either so that we have something of substance when they come up with their public reports. And that's really, really important work. You don't see it. It's not sexy and exciting until an announcement comes or something comes, but it is really important vital work that they're doing in the background. So really in the background, I can say from my insight, things are moving in the direction that we would like. I don't think the media is moving there so much. There are select individuals like Brian Bender, uh, of course, Leslie Kane and, and Ralph Blumenthal, who have always been there um, with the New York Times or also with the Huffington Post. They're freelancer. They write for a lot of things. Brian Bender writes for Politico. Um, and then, you know, people like Tyler Rogaway or people who um, are in the UFO community, sort of, like uh, MJ Benias and, and um, Tim McMillan, who are having more access to post their UFO stories in, in more mainstream publications, which is also exciting which is leading right. me to the good segue. But um, it is moving in a positive direction, but go ahead. No, 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 I, I need you to go ahead and move into the segue. I don't wanna interrupt it with Okay, anything. so the segue is that there is a story coming up that will further help this as well, help the government side of things and probably even, oh, it's gonna help the mainstream is what I should say. And, uh, um, that this story is coming, James Fox kind of let out of the bag. Yeah, but without details. Without details. Yeah. And um, so I sought details and I found details. You did. But I can't share details either. Uh, but I was no. asking uh, James about it and it sounds like, fortunately, I found some more details than he didn't have. But um, I can tell you that, that it is something that uh, essentially, um, I'm not going to say anything, actually, except for it'll come out in a couple of weeks. And I think that it is really going to help with the mainstream perception on all of this. And, and that's kind of the uh, gist of it. Um, I would say most of the UFO community will probably get not be impressed with the news, to be honest, um, because they want, they're not going to be excited until someone says we've here's the alien and the UFO and the bunker type of thing. And this isn't that. And, and who knows if that even exists, um, quite frankly, but, um, but yeah, so James, uh, I interviewed him for Stacy for Phoenix MUFON. Uh, they have been doing, you know, virtual meetings uh, because they haven't been able to do in-person meetings. And so, um, 
along with uh, the UFO Congress, you know, helping po hosting these, we did this interview and you can find it at the ufocongress.com, but it went a little uh, viral online in the UFO community because he made that claim. He says, you know, I know there's going to be this, this story that's going to be huge and make big news and it'll be coming out in the next week or two. And I, um, I drilled him on it. You know, it's like, you can't get away with that. You got to give us more details. And he was just like, no, no, I really can't. I can't say anything else. Um, so he didn't. Um, so yeah. This but reminds me of, do you remember when Tom DeLong did that? Like uh, three or four years ago when he said, in a month or two, yeah. you you just wait. There's going to be breaking, you know, news. And he did that like, at the ah. UFO Congress. Yeah, yeah he I did remember. it at the UFO Congress, which uh, was in February. Right. Yeah, uh, it was in his acceptance speech for uh, researcher of the year that we gave him, uh, which was in February. And he said it should be coming new soon, hopefully in the next thirty to sixty days. It was October. And it was, yeah, <laughs> it wasn't until October, so eight months later. Yeah. Um, and he was so embarrassed. I mean, he kept calling me or, or tweeting me here and there. He's like, it's coming soon. It's coming soon. I'm so sorry. It's just there's factors here that I can't rely on, rely on or I, I have no control over. And he did kind of drop some hints to me along the line, too. So I was getting a little bit of breadcrumbs. Uh, not intentionally. He was trying not to share everything. But when he was telling me about the delays, I could glean a little bit of information. But it still shocked me. I mean, I knew a little bit, but I didn't know the gist of the story until the day before he announced when he called me and he said, hey, I'm announcing this big news. Here's the video. Uh, what do you think? Help me edit this and stuff. And uh, then it came out, which was really exciting. Um, yeah. It's so funny, you know, no one ever talks about this, but I watched it live. I watched the stream live when he did that. And I know a lot of friends that did in it, in it. Like it was like, wow, you know, that's really interesting and all that. But it wasn't until the New York Times article uh, published their article on just what they were doing that made the big splash. It's kind of funny that it took that. I guess that was the springboard that uh, made that happen. But, you know, in the community, we heard about it in October and then everyone else heard about it December 16th or 17th. I know. And it was really frustrating. And it's kind of funny because I had an interview soon after that October announcement about To the Stars with uh, Leslie Kane. And she was also oh, yeah. involved with uh, the coordination of the release of this information because she wrote an article in Huffington Post that actually did pretty well um, about all of this. And she had a little bit more information than they shared in the announcement. And I interviewed her and we were both shocked that there's this guy in To the Stars that is claiming to have worked at the Pentagon on a UAP pro on a UFO project. That's crazy because for decades we've been being told they don't care about UFOs and they aren't doing anything with UFOs. This directly contradicts what we're saying. At the same time, we gave credence to hit what he was saying and this person being Luis Elizondo because he's on stage with several former CIA agents, uh, people, or well, I shouldn't say several, but at least one or several former intelligence people, a former CIA person, Chris Mellon, whose uh, credentials are impeccable. Um, and also Hal Putoff, who yeah. many of us have known for years. And I put a lot of stock into 
you know, I think Putoff is an honest person. I don't agree with him on everything I wouldn't say, but I, he's an honest person. Um, and so it's like, wow, to me, if these guys are standing up next to this guy, this has got to be something real, but nobody cared. Even the UFO community was blowing it off mostly because yeah. they didn't like Tom DeLong. Yeah. And all they were focused on was this damn Tom DeLong. I thought that was going to be a big deal to people and it wasn't. People were yeah. so negative about it. And it wasn't until December that finally people were like with that New York Times article. It's almost like they it's almost like a herd thing. You know, once everybody yeah. accepted and started moving forward, then they get the feedback from their non-UFO friends like, "Hey, yeah. wow. You know, I remember my son who is skeptical of UFOs overall um, you know, wrote me, Hey, Hey, look at the New York times, check it out, check it out. Yeah. And, uh, then there was a follow-up uh, podcast from the New York times about it too, which was really great. I don't know if anyone caught that, but that was a really good podcast. Mm -hmm. So mm. this news, uh, from what I'm gathering, that news, uh, is going to happen in the next couple of weeks. I guess the story is ready. Um, can you give us some type of little hint? Just no, a little really, tiny, tiny, tiny hint. No, because I really, I don't like to seek out secrets and stuff. I'm told secrets a lot, all the time. But not just because of the UFO field, um, although it's exciting when you are. It's also true of when I'm working with, let's say, National Geographic, and they're like, here's something we're going to announce here, but it's embargoed. We get embargoes all the time. That is not something unusual in media. Why is the information embargoed? Because whoever's releasing the information wisely has a whole plan put together on how they want it to release. They want our involvement. And as a media person, it's, it's helpful for me because I get to be one of the first people to release the information. So I want that information. So I'm going to honor that embargo. I'm not going to not share information until we all get the okay to do that. So I don't, but I don't like to seek out this kind of stuff. But when James Fox did that, I of course had to kind of start asking around and people had come to me and, and uh, I did find out more, but. Um, well, this is definitely going to perpetuate more seekers. I know I didn't talk to the guy who is releasing the information. Um, even though I know him very well, but I don't want to disturb him with this at all or be part of, the only reason I'm even bringing this up is because James, you know, uh, had said something and it's been a big deal, but, uh, it should be coming in the next couple of weeks, hopefully sooner than later. Um, I guess that just waiting for a window because of course news is going crazy about other things right now. Um, so it might be better, but, uh, yeah, it will be very interesting. But I, I, I guess my only, the other thing is I want to kind of temper people's expectations a bit because, I think it'll be exciting for me and you, but it might not be exciting for people who are waiting for something juicier. Do you remember, um, do you remember when NASA had, they said they had a major announcement and everyone was like, ah, I know, you know, oh my God, they found alien life on, on Mars or whatever it is. They're finally going to tell us. And then it was rah, 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 something. It's very, funny because yeah. UFO people do that sometimes. And you know who gets really, really upset? You might, you might know. Guess. Uh, oh yeah. Is uh, who? first initial begin with a J? No, I oh, want to hear okay. who you think though. Oh no. 
I don't oh, know. Oh, you don't want to reveal it. I was thinking of Lee Spiegel because, oh, okay. uh, you know, yeah. writing for the Huffington Post, there was a period of time where a lot of paranormal places were doing that too. And he gets so upset. Do not, and MUFON's done this in the past. Do not tell us you're going to give us this crazy, amazing news and then it come out not to be amazing. Yeah. And that's kind of why I want to temper things because uh, I think some people might not see it for the importance that it is when this news comes out. Uh, but uh, I do think it's exciting and, well, and pretty, sounds like a big deal. I'm definitely going to bend your ear off air. And you know, you can All right. Me. So let's see. Um, One more thing. We have SpaceX going off tomorrow. That's oh, yeah. Exciting. I, yeah. Well, and I did have something else. I was going to get some questions. Yeah, the SpaceX, that's really exciting. The second um, taxi service to the shuttle SpaceX is the providing. four astronauts. Yeah. Yeah. Which this is really, too, because, you know, I love space news and stuff. Um, they've really, SpaceX, their introduction has really kind of devastated the Russians' uh, um, space business. Yeah. Um, where, you know, now they're second, you know, now that we can go to SpaceX, we don't have to rely on the, the Russians, which is a big source of income for them. So, yeah. um, Stephen Padilla asks this Padilla, and I think it's a good question. Uh, he says, why doesn't the UFO community give UFO footage credence to study and analyze as a researcher? I feel it's been ignored. Um, I, my answer would be, uh, that, Photos and videos rarely, very, very, very rarely, and in fact, some may argue has never provided enough data to allow someone to make a determination um, regarding what's in the video or photo. And that's what's hard about it. Some scientific analysis of pictures or photos that you could look at would be Trent, Michigan, the Condon Report, uh, investigated that, couldn't determine what it was. They determined it was an object at a further distance that was not being suspended by wires or otherwise. Other researchers disagree, but the Condon Committee found that to be a legit unidentified. Uh, otherwise, I would say the SEU, uh, another, which is rare because there's not a lot of scientific, it takes a lot of work. It took two years for the uh, people involved with the SCU to analyze this Aguadilla video yeah. from Puerto Rico. Um, and that analysis is on the SCU website, explorescu.org. <laughs> I forget. I think it is org. Yeah. Got that. So many URLs. Yeah. Explorescu.org. Now, and that, I think that is some of the, some really good science that's been done to it. Some people argue it. Uh, someone brought up Mick West. There has, SCU has also analyzed the Nimitz video, um, the Tic Tac video, but even they'll admit there's very limited data and they had to rely on anecdotal information. Mm. Now, I think this is pretty, um, this is credible anecdotal information because it comes from jet fighter pilots who witnessed it. And you can read in that report firsthand uh, um, interviews with jet fighter pilots and what they described and see how what they described was similar. Um, but yeah, you just there, the photos, there's just not very, you, you can't make a point of light in the sky is really hard to determine anything from. Yes. 
Um, yeah, there was some. I often tell yeah. people that. Go ahead. Yeah. No, I mean, just uh, in the news, the UFO news last week, there was a pilot that took a picture of an orb. And again, it doesn't, you can't really do too much with it. I remember uh, talking to Bruce Maccabee when I first started this sh my show nine years ago, whenever it was. And he said, the photo or the video is good, but that's only a small piece of the puzzle. He says, you have mm -hmm. to have really good witnesses and really thorough information. Yeah, you know. It has to be backed up. Funny you brought him up because before Mark D'Antonio was a primary photo and video analyst, Bruce McAbee was. Yeah. And he worked for the Navy on optics and he's a, he's a PhD, he's a scientist. And uh, when I was a MUFON field investigator, I would submit cases to him and he would say, oh, that's a, that's a street light, that's this, that's that. And when I finally got to talk to him, I'm like, I've submitted some cases to you. And you said it was this or that. So for instance, I had a case where there were some witnesses, credible witnesses, two or three, said the object did this. But yet when the pictures came back, you said they were probably streetlights. And he told me this, and it's very simple. They might not be streetlights, but I cannot prove that they're not. Hmm. And it's that simple. Mm -hmm. um, if you can't prove it's not Venus, you can't, most videos, for instance, the person is wiggling and shaking. Yeah. It's nearly impossible, and, and you can't do it. You cannot film something at a distance like this. Unless you have a tripod. Yeah. Exactly. You've mm -hmm. got to have a tripod or you're, there's no way to determine what that object is at a distance. Yeah. At the Stephenville, they were, they were posting these photos that they call hieroglyphs, hieroglyphs in the light. Total BS. I've talked to those witnesses and asked them, well, how were you filming it? Well, uh, and people were telling me, no, he leaned his phone up against a, bo a, a board. And if you did that, put it up against your house, that would help a little bit. But if your hand's on it, You're your shaking hand's not going to stay. Yeah. yeah, it's going to shake. And he told me that's not even what he was doing. He was leaning up against the house for yeah. stability and still filming like this. Yeah. That may help a tiny bit, but not much. Yeah. What were those? Those are all single points of light that look like squiggles because of your hand moving. Yeah. That's now, what happened. So if yeah. you, that's the problem when you can't determine it's something other than something else. And that's why Mick West, for instance, is gets so much, uh, play is that you know you have to prove that it isn't what it is sort of thing gotta right. scratch my ear what were you gonna say <laughs> huh <laughs> no uh yeah and you know you, you mentioned mick west um so he's done some really good work and really did figure out some things that a lot of people didn't but his take on mm. the nimitz and tic-tac and things like that i i don't agree with yeah. at all. yeah yeah i don't think he because it, my problem is is what he's saying is counter to the experts and he's not an expert and as a novice or a layman all we can go with, with his expert opinion i mean that's journalism 101 type of thing um shawnee says the photo on nick pope's office wall sounds interesting yeah, yeah as we far never as saw i know it. yeah I'm the only one who's written an article on that and uh, that I'm aware of uh, from an interview. And I want to share the screen because I want to show people. This is a big story. I think this is really interesting. And um, 
let's see, if we look on the website, it's probably one of the top stories. So here's what's trending. So some of you are looking at the dawn of a new age, it looks like, I can tell, because it says it's trending, uh, which is cool. Um, Survivor or Oswald, people like looking at that. But the reason I want to look, because I think it's still one of our popular posts. Oh, it's not, surprisingly. Oh, wow. It usually, it has been. So this popular post is like the most popular post over the last few years, whereas this is just in the last day or two. So you can um, just do a search up in the corner there. Yeah, but I can do a search. But yeah. uh, So another another thing while you're doing that, um, there's a uh, UFC uh, legend, Diego Sanchez. He claims that a UFO went right over his deck while he was working out, basically, and he felt as though it was watching him, had his daughter come out and all that. That was mm. another thing in the news. Um, yeah, and another thing, too, is uh, I interviewed also this week uh, Peter Reale. Uh, and Peter is a member of the SCU and essentially oh, yeah. kind of talking about breaking down the, uh, the, um, Drake equation, Drake equation. Exactly. Martin was yeah. there too. Martin helps me with these SCU uh, yeah. videos. That, that was fascinating. Yeah, yeah. That was really good. These SCU videos are priceless. They're they all scientists or who are analyzing different information um, the type of stuff that we need and we haven't gotten. And uh, they're really great. So this was good. But yeah, here's uh, the article on the one that you're re some people are referring to. Uh, but this disappeared. So Nick Pope said he had this photo blown up and hanging on his office wall and that somebody took it down. They said and took the picture from his desk and he never saw it again. And they said, well, you could read about it in this article. Now, this is a, a rendition that you're seeing here on the screen. Um, similar to had, what it looked like. Yeah. Yeah. Similar to what the original looked like. But um, yeah. But he even said there were difficulty determining scientifically much about the object. Also, with this photo, even a really good photo like that. So yeah. photos and videos are just really tough. Typically, they're just not, unless they're extraordinary, Photos and videos are not the best evidence. In fact, I've learned over time that they they suck. They are the best evidence is typically expert witnesses. Yeah. So like jet fighter pilots, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then if you can back it up with radar data, whatever. Yeah. If it's backed up, then it just makes it more incredible, which, you know, there's, yep. it's out there. Radar data will show you the movement of the object. It proves that it's a physical object, a uh, dense physical object. Uh, radar is going to give you better data. That's why projects like Skyhub and these others that are starting up are trying to build cameras that aren't just getting video, but are gathering other telemetry as well. Um, for instance, you know, Peter talked about this a bit because Peter worked on uh, the Nimitz document that um, it's really hard. And we had this dis discussion at SCU the other day. Uh, we're working on another method of determining um, distances and videos. So this ought to be really interesting. I think it's a project we're going to move forward on. And uh, it's just really hard to determine distances and videos and stuff like that. So it's really Only hard. if you have a triangulation or, or there's some other, there must be other methods. 
at this point. Triangulation is another one. That's a good point. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, if you have radar and photo, for instance, so Stephenville, uh, Robert Powell with the SCU did yeah. a, a thorough investigation of Stephenville, uh, but he had radar data. We also had some photo and video and those correlated, um, but the video and photo by themselves didn't really give us enough. But with the other, you know, witnesses, um, just like Brian is saying here, you need multiple pieces of evidence for the best cases. He's exactly right. Yeah. So he is right. So, um, yeah, so go check out all of that stuff. Um, let's see. I looked too, just to be sure. Oh, they're talking about some other pictures or videos. All right. Uh, let's see. Mick West logic. It can't be. Therefore it isn't is what, um, Shawnee just said. Yeah. And that's a really good point. I love that you brought that up because J. Allen Hynek said that same thing that in the air force, it was sad because most people had the attitude. It's impossible that these UFOs are not any, anything that's not mundane. So it's just not possible. And, uh, so it isn't. And he felt bad because he said he had that attitude too, until he learned otherwise. So that was the attitude that was hard to get out of people when they're like not open whatsoever. Like a lot of mainstream science is to, uh, you know, some of these things being truly anomalous, then they're not going to be, they're going to find whatever explanation they can. And for the most part, usually they're right. Usually these things are mundane 99% of the time, I would say. Yeah. But, um, but they're not all obviously. So only takes one. Yep. How many times have you heard that? Yeah. So there we go. That's kind of the news of the week. What's going on, huh? That I think pretty much sums it up. Sums it yeah. up. Let's see. Um, let me check here if there's anything else I missed. Oh, um, someone said I'm I think way too sexy for my shirt. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I love this quote. So Brandon Frugal. Um, and, and I should say shout out to Crew Cut, Crew Cut Chronicles, who uh -huh. is the guy who asked James Fox, who uh, was in the live that asked. Uh, me to ask James Fox a question about, you know, any big news coming um, and posted a little clip on that. Uh, oh, the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, Keith Basterfield, great researcher. Yeah, he Australian. Posted, yeah. Mm -hmm, he posted that he found um, that Bigelow in 2009 registered a company called Center for Advanced Cognitive Science. I don't know if that went anywhere, but that's really interesting. Um, it's also interesting because this is during the eight hip years. So this is during the period of time wow. Bigelow was investigating UFOs for the government, or I should wow. say the paranormal for the government, because ATIP was just the UFO part of a larger yeah. project called OSAP, Advanced Aerospace Weapon System um, applications program that was really investigating all the paranormal. So that's really interesting. Hmm. And then I like this quote from Brandon Fugel, the current owner of Skinwalker Ranch. He says uh, a quote from Anton Chekhov. We will declare frankly that nothing is clear in this world. Only fools and charlatans know and understand everything. 
-hmm. Isn't that a great quote? Yeah. Yeah. Only fools and charlatans know and everything. I understand everything. I don't. <laughs> we better end on that. I don't think. Well, th what's funny about that statement is you're one of the first to admit that you don't understand everything. So, yeah. Um, so we know we can't, we don't have to take that comment too seriously. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In reality, I think we know so little. We think yeah. we know so much, but know so little. And the people who think they know so much, they're either fools or charlatans. Good to know. Apply that in this field because it certainly does apply. Yeah. All right. So that is it. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. Thank you, Mr. Martin. What do you have coming Thank up? Thank you. Uh, next week, uh, I have uh, going down the rabbit hole with uh, Whitley Strieber. Oh, that's right. I different. forgot about that. Yeah. By the way, look, you don't put your full name, Martin Willis of Podcast UFO. There we wow. go. Wow. People you, can sir. see it for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Little last that's who this plot. guy is. Yeah. All right. Thanks, guys. Um, thank you all so much for joining. Also, we've had a really active chat room here. Thank you so yeah. much. Um, I, I guess I should wrap up with some business. I always forget to do this stuff, which is so important, is to explain, you know, um, this is also the podcast. So I upload this audio as the podcast so people can get that. And, of course, you can always watch live here on Friday, midday-ish. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit of a moving target. And then um, the Rojas reports. Uh, my last one was with James Fox, and that can still be viewed. Uh, otherwise, it usually goes into the archives once I do a new show, um, which I'll do a new one next week. And um, other than that, fine. And so do go check that out. There's If you're on uh, um, YouTube, there's a join button down there. So for just a few bucks, you can join and you can have access to see me interviewing like people like Lou Elizondo or Chris Mellon and stuff like that. And then also I do do mortgages. So if you want to refinance, if you're going to buy a house, get a hold of me through Open Minds or through here or anywhere. Um, Mortgage.alahantrotrojas.com is the website. You can go there. Um, but uh, And of course, you can get a hold of me through OpenMinds.tv. But yeah, rates are extremely low. Great time to refinance. Um, and there's a lot of activity right now in real estate. Ton it's of activity. Yeah. House prices are going up and they're selling like crazy. That's I can't understand it. Same in the East Coast. Well, you know, it's throughout the country. And it's mostly because of uh, during COVID, people are investing like crazy in ev anything and everything that is uh, investment related. Yeah, uh, even mostly art and because they're going you know, really the field I'm in art and antiques are, if you have the right thing, it's going nuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's another field with investment. So people feel that because we're kind of in a recession, essentially, if they buy now, they can buy low. And then, you know, once we're out of this, all the prices will go up and they're probably right. Of course, yeah. us normal folk are all hurting financially, but yeah. those who have the money, uh, but it's a good time to sell your house. Uh, so if you wanted to sell your house or you wanted to buy another house, um, uh, now would be the time to do it because prices will go up. Do I do real estate in Palm Springs? No, not yet. We're going to do Karen's uh, getting uh, authorized to do some 
I do know people who do real estate in Palm Springs, though, if you want to get a hold of me. Um, but I do do mortgages out there. So if you're buying in Palm Springs, get a hold of me and I'll, I'll help you uh, get the best price on a yeah. home loan. But if you want to sell your house, you can also get a hold of me. I do know people. I can refer you to some real estate people out there. But I'm not licensed to do real estate in California. I'm not sure if I'm going to pursue that, but Karen's probably going to do that here pretty soon. Um, but it's kind of tough. But I am more doing mortgages. And let's say you want to get into the mortgage business. I can help you with that too. In fact, I can become your mentor and we can work together through the process and I can get you up and running doing mortgages. So mm. if anybody's interested in doing that, let me know. Um, some people just do that kind of thing on the side, which is kind of cool because every once in a while, your friends are going to go, hey, aren't you doing mortgages? Why don't you help me do this? And uh, and you can do that. So interesting. anyway, that's the plugs. There's the business side of things. But uh, thank you all so much for being here. Thank you again, Martin of Podcast UFO. Until next time, adios. Adios. Muchachos. Muchachos.